The lyrics of that song were written by a friend of Ben Franklin's during the First Great Awakening in our nation's history. And it reads, one man wakes, awakens another. Second one wakes his next door brother. Three awake can rouse a town and turn the whole place upside down. Many awake will cause such a fuss, it finally awakens all of us. One man wakes with dawn in his eyes, surely then it multiplies. Awaken us, Lord, to all that you're doing in the earth. Awaken us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You found Luke chapter 14. The context here is Jesus has been invited to a ruler of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath. And he upsets him by healing someone. It's amazing the theology people form based on things that the Bible doesn't say. Basically, because God rested on the seventh day, they, de- they developed a theology that God always rested on the seventh day to the point he doesn't do anything good for anybody. He just doesn't do anything. They created such a work out of resting rather than enjoying it judging each other. That's what religion and legalism will do. It will take away the joy out of your relationship with God. And Jesus healed this guy, and they weren't happy. And then he tells a parable to him. Verse 7, he told a parable to those who were invited. That is, those who were invited to this guy's house to eat. And he gives them some wisdom that's applicable to us today. When he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. If you go to a wedding reception, you sure don't want to sit at the bride's family's table or at the wedding party table or at the head table if you're at a banquet. But when you're invited, verse 10, go and sit down in the lowest place so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. You may know that you are supposed to sit at the head table, but what if the mayor shows up? They'll ask you to, hey, can you move, make room for the mayor? So take the lower seat and then let them invite you to sit up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. Verse 11, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. All right, so he taught that principle of wisdom. If you're invited to something special, you know, let there be confirmation as to whether or not you're to be in some honored position. But then he balances it with this, verse 12. He said to him who invited him, When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Who knows we're to be giving people, not expecting things in return. And so when you give a feast, invite people over that probably won't invite you over. And bless them. 
If you've stopped inviting people over because there wasn't any reciprocation, look at this verse and stop allowing the enemy to rob you of your gift of hospitality. You'll be blessed. Verse 15 is where we're heading. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, verse 16, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must go see it. I ask you to have me excused. Now notice that these people were already invited. And then when it was time for the feast, they were reminded of the invitation they had accepted. And then at that point, they began to make excuses. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Verse 20, still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Can we say the city? Streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges. We all say the country. And compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you, that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. In other words, if you don't come, there's not going to be any leftovers for you. I think the heart of the meaning of this passage is that Jesus is that supper that was given to bring blessing. And people used all kinds of reasons to not follow him, like you healed somebody on the Sabbath. You can't be of God because God rests on the Sabbath. So he turned to people they thought were outcasts. He not only ate with Pharisees who were sinners, but he ate with sinners who weren't religious. He reached out to people that these people at this meal probably thought shouldn't be invited to any kind of dinner. And he said, if you don't accept this invitation, basically, me is what I think it means, then you are not going to taste the supper in the kingdom of God. Remember the question that was asked? Verse 15, one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things. He said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 24, for I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would enable us to understand what you're saying to us today through this story. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that this parable not only is talking about Jesus, but it's talking about the kingdom of God and everything that he's about, the establishing of his church. I believe that it's talking about our need to invite people of all kinds, not just our kind, to enjoy the benefits of Christ's kingdom. Thus, I think it relates to inviting people, anyone and everyone, to kingdom events like church services or an outreach or a concert or supper at our house. 
We know that church attendance doesn't make anyone a Christian any more than going to a garage makes someone a car. No matter how many times you go, you're never going to become a Chevy. But we all can see how God uses attending church meetings for his purposes in our own lives before and after our conversions. Who was converted at a church service? Anybody? So just going to church doesn't do anything, but yet God uses going to church for his purposes. Surely he is using and will continue to use this pattern with many more people than just us. So let's, especially this month of April, invite them to be our guests, not just to our services, but to our lives. While we also know the kingdom of God is not a building nor a meeting, But we do know it's made up of the king and his people who use buildings for meetings, both public and private. Therefore, I believe that God is compelling us with this story today to compel others to join us for our meetings whenever and wherever we can. Can I get a witness? I think this story also means to make room in our lives to include time for kingdom events and for people who are new to the kingdom. If this was true at the time Jesus was speaking, how much more true it is today as we see the day of the Lord approaching. That means if someone comes in maimed and you've got a comfortable seat and there's no place for them to sit, get up and make them the guest of honor. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is a matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. How much more important is this issue today in our time than it was even when it was written? So today, I wanted to speak on commissioned to invite. Can we say commissioned to invite? You're commissioned to invite other people to kingdom of God, gatherings, services, and events. Where? Anywhere. When? Anytime. Who? Anyone. This is not a pro-generations church sermon. This is a pro-kingdom of God service. If they don't understand English, don't bring them to church here. But befriend a Hispanic Christian, find out where he goes to church and go with him. You'll enjoy it. You'll feel the spirit. You may not have much understanding, but you'll enjoy it. Go with your friend. This is pro-kingdom of God. Commissioned to invite. I want to share a personal illustration, but before I do, I want to make this disclaimer. This is not to vent some frustration or offenses in my heart. Not at all. But this experience made this parable so real to my wife and I. It's like, okay, God, you're speaking to us through this situation. February 18th, our daughter was married. Eight years ago or so, she was engaged to be married, and she didn't get married. We gave her the money for that wedding so she could go to the mission field. And so she had a fund, went to Cyprus for six months, then Zimbabwe for three months, then came home and worked for three months and replenished the fund and went back to Cyprus for six months and then came home for six months and replenished the fund, went back to Cyprus for 
six months, and then came home, went right back into nursing school, and got a doctorate in nursing practice. Well, needless to say, I mean, the wedding money was gone. It never got replenished on our end. It's like, Lord, we're going to have to trust you. Well, she got married, had a wedding of the century, and I suspect that probably ten times the money we sowed into her life was spent on this wedding. It was huge. But the painful thing for us was we did not get to invite the members of our church. So with their agreement, they agreed for us to have a second reception for them a month after the wedding. So the wedding was on February 18th, and we scheduled a reception for them March 17th, not realizing that it was the Saturday of spring break. Also, we could not promote it until the wedding was over because we didn't want to create confusion. So we sent out 100 invitations. And on March 17th, we met here, and we had a good time. The venue for this great supper was Generations Church Auditorium. The temperature was perfect. The night was alive. The lights were dancing. The decorations were wonderful. Yvette laid out pashminas from all over the world at every table with LED candles. Hallelujah, we're keeping this place wax-free. <laughs> with the help of Barbara Smith, Sean Ferris, Leslie Savitz, Lois McKee, and others, this place was a grand banquet hall. We invited everyone that helped us raise her. The flowers were fabulous. Kathy Leach did an amazing job. The food was superb. Del Norte catered it. I mean, my God, that mesquite grilled chicken could melt in your mouth. The black and green beans, not as good as the chicken, but good. The salad was great with the cilantro ranch dressing was delicious. The sweet tea from Chicken E was out of this world. The Folgers coffee was hot, decaf, and caffeinated, and the dessert was great. Red velvet truffle cakes on chocolate lace. Fabulous. The service was great. Some Gen Rev youth who needed to raise funds to go to the Reveal conference were our waiters and waitresses. The dancing, good. Cupid shuffle, things like that. The time was wonderful. It was slideshows of their wedding. There was a video of their lives from childhood on up and how they met. And a video of their wedding that was very well done. We had live music with a horn section. Shake says, everybody needs a horn section. I believe it. Watch it.
The crowd was great. 75 happy guests. But 37 empty seats. I'm drawing a parallel. We're part of a great congregation, wonderful people. I tell you, if you all got a real pastor, this place could take the nation. We're blessed with a great venue, an expandable building. It's all paid for. The refreshments are good. I mean, I pastored a church that serves Otis Spunkmeyer muffins every Sunday. My God, it doesn't get any better than chocolate chip Otis Spunkmeyer muffins. Coffee's hot, the juice is good, the water is always available. The music, oh my goodness. Out of this world. The children's ministry led by Pastor Laura and her team of women and men. I mean, we got men that minister to children. The nursery's safe, we got armed security out there right now. This is like a supper. Served at churches all over town, and it's good here. Youth ministry is good. Pastor Yvette and the GenRev leaders. we got men working with youth and women and the youth. Great women's ministry. Pastor Debbie and her team did a superb thing yesterday. Great men's monthly events. I tell you, the quarry was top-notch last week. Great ministry. Have a prayer team that prays for people with compassion and God moves and does things. Great givers. We don't even have to pass the plate. If you've ever gone to a church that begs for money all the time, you're embarrassed to bring guests, right? There's no danger of that here. Great times together, worship experiences and fellowship times. Great people encouraging friendships. A great crowd here today. Here it is. But look, we have empty seats. Everybody said, "Uh uh-oh. We have empty seats. I think application of the parable is we are commissioned to invite. Commissioned to invite. Those years that I went to high school... I wasn't much of a witness because I just wanted to get it over with. But I befriended a reject, invited him to church, and he got saved, and he loves Jesus to this day. And when I went to my hometown for a Facebook reunion, I found him. Still loves Jesus. So if you're intimidated by people, don't. Because everybody has two sides. Invite them to the great dinner here. America is in trouble. If these statistics are correct, this was made between 2007 and 2009, church attendance is going down in the United States percentage-wise. With the growth of the house church movement and the growth of megachurches, And the planning of new churches, we're not keeping up percentage-wise with our population growth. 
I don't know that we're keeping up with our death rate. Thank God the kingdom of God is growing around the world, but in America there's got to be something change. So I'll say commission to invite. 2009 is the third time I'm bringing this to you. I won't bring it up again for a while. 82% of the unchurched, they interviewed over 15,000 people, came up with these statistics. 82% of the unchurched might likely visit a church if invited. 70% of the unchurched have never been invited. 98% of churchgoers never invite anyone in a given year. Only 2% of churchgoers invite the unchurched to church. 62% of the formerly churched are open to attending church faithfully again. So that person that no longer goes to church, invite them again. Only 4% of the formerly churched are actually looking for a church. So 62% are just waiting on someone to reach out to them, show them some love, and invite them. If not Sunday morning, invite them to something. In Acts chapter 4 is a prayer. The church received threats from governing officials and religious people. And they prayed for boldness. They said, verse 29 of Acts 4, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now I want to pray another prayer. Lord, we thank you that we really are not persecuted in this country, but we are intimidated. And so, Lord, we ask you to look at this intimidation and fill us with the Spirit and boldness that we may be free to speak your word and invite whoever we want to invite for your glory without fear. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you remember when you were invited? Who remembers? Someone invited you. There's a story of Mephibosheth. David, before he was king, was friends with the son of the king, Jonathan, and they made a covenant to be committed to one another and one another's families for life. And when Jonathan died, Saul died, David became king one day. This happened in 2 Samuel chapter 9. He inquired, is there anyone of the house Saul that I may be kind to? Anyone of Jonathan's house that I can be kind to? And they said, yes, Jonathan has a son named Mephibosheth. Now, Mephibosheth was living in hiding in a place called Lodabar at someone else's house. Lodabar means pastureless, no pasture in Lodabar. So there wasn't livestock, probably wasn't much vegetation much food. He's living poor, basically. And Mephibosheth was crippled. When he was five years old, his nurse, running in fear, dropped him, trying to protect the royal family, because, you know, anytime there's a new regime coming on, people will kill him. And so, through conflicts, his life was in danger. She dropped him and broke his feet, and he wasn't treated properly. So he was crippled. He was lame, living in hiding. And David sent for him and got him and brought him to his house. He falls on his face before David and says, I'm a dead dog. Why are you being kind to me? And David 
because of the covenant he had with this guy's father, showed him kindness and said, from this day on, you will sit at my table every day. Sitting at the king's table, he was treated as royalty, although he was no kin to David through blood relations. But sitting at the table, you didn't know he was crippled. We've been invited to a supper, the Lord's Supper. We look forward to that supper that Pharisee asked about in the kingdom, that when Jesus will partake of these elements once again. And we've been invited because of the covenant he made with his Father for us. You remember when you were living in Lodabar, not much spiritual food in your life? You've been invited. If you're living in Lodabar today, come home. Come to the king's table. Come and enjoy the benefits of the kingdom, which are pictured in these elements. The bread is without leaven or without yeast, which is a symbol of sin. It's just pure bread, symbolizing the pure life that Jesus gave for us, lived for us. That bread is broken so that we can be healed, that our relationships can be healed, so that we can be made whole, so we can be reunited with God. And His blood was shed, pictured by the fruit of the vine in the cups, for the washing away of our sins. The punishment we deserve was taken on by the Lord Jesus Christ for us. Isn't that good? Wounded and forsaken I was shattered by the fall Broken and forgotten Feeling lost and all alone Summoned by the king Into the master's courts Lifted by the savior And cradled in his arms I was carried to the table First Lord's Supper was taken, reclining, position of receiving. I'd like for us to take it today, setting down. Lord, your, your word says that we actually do this in remembrance of Jesus. 
And so, Lord, as we take this this blood, the blood of the new covenant, Lord, help us, each and every one, to remember that the blood of Jesus was poured out for us as individuals. We ask, Lord, that you would bless this in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Are you glad you were invited? Yeah. One final illustration. Do you remember a time of not being invited to something and it hurt you? I know the Lord wants to heal our hurts, and, but I pray that we not lose the memory of being hurt for not being invited to something so that we'll be motivated to invite people. Somebody, some Waldo or Wilma is out there waiting on someone to invite them. Amen. Can we stand? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And may you never forget that we have been commissioned to invite people. You've made your kingdom ours. This is our kingdom. You've made your church ours. This is our people. Make us open-hearted. Heal our hurts so that we'll overcome intimidation. Fill us with a spirit and boldness. Be people of confidence because you've given us what the world needs. Make us inviting people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Go get them, tigers! Amen.